Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's another beautiful day in South Florida. I have my good friend, Angela Wubin here with me today. She is going to talk to us about the wonderful world of dental coding, right? How cool. Thanks for being here, Angela. Thanks for having me. Um, for my good friend, Terry Fletcher, today is National Noodle Day. Um, not that there's anything fantastic about noodles, but looking at this, I found out there's like a bajillion different types of noodles. I had no idea. So I'm sure tonight we'll have some sort of noodle for dinner. Um, but even more important than that, I, it's National Physician Assistant Day. And it kicks off our National Physician Assistant Week. And I don't know about you, Angela, but I really, really love working with physician assistants and, and nurse practitioners, those mid-levels, extenders, NPP, QHPs, like whatever the title is, they, they really excite me. Um, but you don't have a lot of nurse pra physician assistants in dental, do you? No, the, there is, of course, the dental hygienist. And then dental assistance, which can be certified as well. Well, you you have worked with dental, and you are you are the go to consultant out there for dental coding. Um, I couldn't find anybody else, so you have taken that torch and and run with it. And how exciting that you have focused in on this kind of. Um, maybe it's not so niche because we all go to the doctor, we all go to the dentist. Um, but from a coding perspective, how did you choose dental? I actually kind of just fell into it. I went to college here in Montana for pre-med and then I married a local farmer and ended up not being able to pursue uh, medical or dental school and just found a job as a clinical assistant, a dental assistant, uh, working um, chairside with a dentist. And she ended up, and that was at a nonprofit actually. And I really enjoyed the nonprofit work um, serving, you know, underserved communities. And then, sorry, my seeing my chair in the background there uh <laughs> we don't know and what then, it is it could be your <laughs> mountain of bars of gold right right so, you'll um, never tell <laughs> <laughs> and um that doctor ended up buying a private practice and i went with her and ended up being the sole other person with her so she was the dentist wow. and i did everything else. So that was my introduction to the administrative side of dentistry. So I did all of the clinical assisting, sterilization, and learned all of the insurance and billing and all of that. And uh, the term we used was uh, drinking from the fire hose. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I love it method of learning. Um, and there is um, an organization out there called AADOM, the American Association of Dental Office Managers. And I got connected with them and took a couple of their courses to really learn insurance and coding. Um, and that was really my first step from there you know the practice grew and i just kind of 
went up the ladder into practice management. Um, and then once the practice was large enough, I took over um, the back office tasks. You know, that happens. That Your story is so common that you just kind of fell into it and mm -hmm. went forward with it. Um, and, and I love that because I want a lot of our listeners to know that you, first step is getting your foot in the door, regardless of what it is in the office, you know, sometimes even having that chair side relationship or, you know, side by side relationship with a provider can open your eyes. I know that I've talked to a lot of other different coders in, and they said that that kind of walking hand in hand with your specialist really opens your eyes as to the types of procedures that they're doing and then how we can accurately code those. So Absolutely. Uh, yes, having that clinical experience just makes such a difference to understand exactly what they're talking about in that note because the descriptors, you know, with each of the code are so short. And then trying to take, you know, a longer note and comparing it to a short descriptor, if you don't know what is happening clinically, it, it can be challenging to match that up. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I hope that, that maybe we can encourage more providers to work hand in hand with their coders, not just sitting down and talking about the note, but, you know, explain, walk me through it. I say this almost every every episode. Um, my good friend Doris Brinker was the one who she kind of coined that for me. Walk me through the procedure so that I can understand it and then I can code it properly for you. Then I can make sure that I'm not missing anything. Um, because you know, there we have a lot of challenges in coding. So what would have been some of the challenges that you have found in uh, dental coding? The coding itself, I wouldn't say is so much of the challenge. It's working with insurance and, um, <laughs> of course, right? The that's, art of that's billing. <laughs> and <laughs> um, for those of you that don't know, Angela and I, we both serve on the AAPC Billing Advisory Committee. And uh, Angela gets to bring this really unique perspective of dental and understanding the those challenges. And the, the other portion is too, is helping patients understand dental insurance is so different than medical insurance. It's really, in my opinion, more of a misnomer to call it dental insurance because it's a, a set benefit amount per year. And mm -hmm. then all the rest of it is out of pocket. Whereas insurance, you pay a certain amount and then everything else is covered for the rest of the year. So it's kind of backwards than what you think of insurance. And um, the maximum benefit amount for dental insurance hasn't really gotten any larger since the 70s. So like in the 70s, you could get a whole lot of treatment in that year before it was all out of your pocket. Now you might get an exam and a crown and then it's all out of pocket. And it's such a so, bummer. Can I ask you a question that, um, and th this one's just off the top of my head. Why is it that we have to start every year with that big exam? Is that a regulatory 
um, requirement on the dental perspective? It's not as far as the insurance goes, but it's more of a standard of care because things can change so much um, in your dental health in a year. Um, Say you were treatment planned in July of last year for a filling. Um, That cavity in a year's time could have gotten so large that now you need a root canal before you get a crown and a filling is no longer appropriate for you. You don't want to find that out in the middle of your treatment appointment. You want to know that before you go into that treatment appointment. And that's why the exam is so important. That makes sense. Uh, I know that's one of the areas. I've seen the same dentist for 30 years now. And um, you find a good dentist. I don't think I'm not going to bounce around. Um, but I always ask that same question. And, and my dentist has a wonderful um, office manager. She's been there probably just as long. Why she hasn't retired, I don't know. Maybe she likes it, right? Um, yeah. But I ask that question all the time. And so that, that's a really great um, answer for me is to understand that. And um, yeah, so go ahead. Um, So the preventative services, I know, you know, it can be kind of a pain to go in twice a year for those cleanings or even more frequently if you have periodontal disease. Um, But staying on top of those preventative services really in the long run are going to pay off in dividends. Um, And that is one of those things that, you know, I just... I really feel like um, moving forward, there's such a connection with the mouth and body, um, general health, systemic health, that eventually I'm hoping (laughs) as the body research grows, that medical insurance will start to cover some of these services because there's such a benefit to systemic health with the connection of periodontal disease and diabetes Uh, glucose control and heart disease and all of these other things. I think that's something we don't think about enough. Um, How have you seen the evolution with the Medicare Advantage programs covering dental do and, and I don't know the answer to this, but do they carve out to one of the dental payers and how does that work when when someone has so I'm asking because my mom has Humana. And she has dental benefits, which is so odd for a Medicare. Medicare normally doesn't cover anything dental. So um, are you seeing more of that, that there is this influx of Medicare Advantage coverage? Is it carved out? Is it? If there's Medicare coverage on the Advantage plans, it's usually primarily preventative. And sometimes if there is any restorative or surgical coverage, it's pretty minimal, unfortunately. Um, You know, you're probably aware that Medicare statutorily excludes dental care in only very rare circumstances exam in order for um, renal transplant or a heart valve replacement, or if the oral care is really incidental to some other covered service, like, um, you know, you get in a car wreck and you need your face reconstructed. Um, Or if you need teeth extracted in preparation for 
radiation for oral cancer. Those are the only exceptions to that statutory exclusion. And I know there's been some push for changing that statutory exclusion. It just hasn't been passed yet. How often do you see that in the proposals? Um, you know, I haven't followed it super closely. Um, there was a recent push for it and it did not go through. That's a shame. It that is. That really is a it, shame. And, you know, it's oral health is very important for maintaining nutrition as you age. Um, you know, if you can't maintain your nutrition, then right. everything else follows. Absolutely. And, and I know that, um, you know, people struggle as they get older with, with having to make choices like do, you know, can I afford to get reconstruction of my teeth? Do I need to go dentures? Um, if the dentures don't fit right back and forth to those appointments to try to get them fixed. And then, um, and even some people I know eat without their teeth because that's, mm -hmm. it's, a learning process from what I understand. And like you said, if they're not, if they're not chewing things properly, it's not going into the digestive system properly. It doesn't digest properly. The nutrients don't get absorbed properly. And, um, you know, that malnutrition can sneak up on somebody, even if they are not that super skinny person, right? They're just not getting yeah. what they need. So they're not getting I, the vitamins and, and all those other building blocks of protein. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I think, uh, I think I'm going to start paying a little bit more attention to dental because I feel like that will be one of the ways that we can kind of help navigate those other conditions. And I'm so glad that you said diabetes as well, because I know that diabetes just wreaks havoc on the entire body there. It absolutely does. And, um, in a personal um, story, my my mom has been a type one diabetic for most of her life. Wow. And she had been seeing a regular dentist for a very long time. Um, and most diabetics have periodontal disease. Um, and her dentist had never screened her, given her any treatment. I made sure she came to our office and she received treatment at our office and she was able to obtain better glucose control because of that treatment no and that's how that's yes and that is how important that is and if you know just that one example of um of how it can impact a person's you know overall health just by receiving the right dental care um I just wanted to share that example. Thank you. Because, yeah, because it's so it's true, though. It, it really is. I think, you know, we're not the only ones that are saying this. So a few months ago, we had um, Annette Bush, my really good friend on the show, and she works a lot with FQHCs and RHCs. Those are those federally qualified healthcare centers and rural health centers. And one of the things that is often integrated in those centers is dental. So they have mm -hmm. women's health, dental, they have primary care, psychiatry, um, other mental health services all under one roof. And I found yeah. that to be fascinating because, um, again, in this great country that we live in, people still struggle 
to have access to health and dental care. And so those RHCs, FQHCs have become so important in maintaining that. So, um, and I think if they can just walk down the hall, you know, you know, you bring your child in, they're five and they're in for a well child check and the pediatrician notices, hey, they've got early childhood caries. They've never seen a dentist. They walk them down the hall while they're there and they have a dentist there to be able to do that initial exam and treatment plan and do some fluoride. Hey, that saves the parents a trip. It accomplishes, you know, that initiation of dental care. I mean, it's just fantastic that those, you know, FQHCs have that ability to have, you know, one location and integrate all of that care into one. Wouldn't it be great if we started having these total health care centers. I don't know. I'm just talking. Oh, yes. (laughs) I think a total health care center. And there there are a few things out there. I know that Medicare also has not just Medicare Advantage, but they have their PACE programs that kind of keep everything under one roof and some other types of of organizations. Uh, I don't want to say their name because I'm not affiliated with them or anything like that. But there are, we are, we do have a couple of organizations that have started that mindset of Let's look at the the global patient and not the mm-hmm. siloed patient. And they're able to to mitigate conditions from its root, from its very beginning. You know, like you were saying, if there's dental caries in the mouth or they're having the you know some decay that is there, you've got you've got bacteria that's building up, and that bacteria goes inside the body, and then what happens? You know, mm-hmm. so it's so so very important. So I do want to ask you, um, for someone who's going or thinking about going into dental coding or billing for that matter, because, you know, sometimes the the coder biller in a dental office will wear the same hat. Um, What are some of the organizations that you would recommend for education, for continuing education, training, um, resource advice? The primary one is the AADOM, the American Association of Dental Office Managers. Um, They're the ones that really provide the majority of um, education. However, they're they're a membership organization, so you do need to um, join uh, with a payment in in the membership. They do have... Yeah. Um, we don't get a whole lot for free in our industry, do we? <laughs> no, not not often. Um, they do um, have um, group chapters, though, and the group chapters are fantastic resources so that you can lean on other um, experts in your area and you can network. Um, and so that is a fantastic um, benefit to them. They do have courses that you can um, sign up for, um, as I went through, um, and they're fantastic. The other one is actually straight through the ADA, the American Dental Association. They have a ton of free available resources right on their website. Um, they also have a coding course available um, for uh, purchase. I have not experienced their coding course, so I 
I would imagine that it's pretty good. It is um, designed by dentists and not by coders. Um, so I imagine that it's probably pretty accurate and thorough. Um, but yes, they are also the organization that maintains the um, current dental terminology book. Oh, nice. So, oh, the yeah. CDT. Oh, nice. So well, you had me they, at free. So. Yes. <laughs> And, and they're fantastic. They have um, a essentially a, a phone number to call if you have coding questions. Um, wow. That's, that's free. So if you need assistance, um, you can call ADA directly and ask for assistance. They also have um, a coding companion book that goes with the uh, CDT. And this actually is really helpful to have, um, particularly when you're just starting out, because it does go through each section of the type of services and provides scenarios that you might encounter. Um, nice. And then yeah, and gives you um, what you should code um, based on that scenario and walks you through that decision-making process. Do, do the payers have payer policies similar to the medical insurances? They do. So there's a few terms that you would become familiar with um, where there's alternate benefits, say, um, you get a tooth colored composite filling on a back tooth, posterior tooth. Um, some insurances would have a policy where that's not a benefit, but they'll pay an alternate benefit for a silver or amalgam filling. Um, even though that's not what was performed, that's what you'll get reimbursed for. Um, oh, but do they still do amalgam and silver fillings? Some offices do. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, and I think the codes still exist, um, and the insurances use that as a way to reduce the reimbursement rate as having that be their alternate benefit. It's gotcha. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course, still, at the end of the day, it's still insurance companies, you know, it's, uh, they right. don't change their They're stripes. Right. Their prerogative is to be profitable. Yeah. Save themselves um, somewhat money. But um, yeah. That's, that's um, same thing with like even implants. So, or bridges. Say you replace um, a couple teeth with a bridge and it's um, less expensive uh, benefit to replace with a partial denture, they might not reimburse based on the bridge codes, but they might provide an alternative benefit based on if you had provided a um, partial denture, which might be a lesser reimbursement. Now, would... So I have a question. So would you have to pay the difference between that or um, because I know like in, there's no substitute in medical coding, but in dental coding, do they do allow that? So they will cover up to what the reimbursement would have been for a, a denture partial versus the bridge. Right. So they'll pay their cool though. Their 
Yeah, I mean, they'll pay their portion of if if you had provided this, but of course that ends up being a challenge for the patient because the insurance isn't covering all of it as much. Yeah. yeah. But that would kind of be cool in medical if if they would say, you know, hey, this is a non-covered service, but we will cover up to what uh, an equivalent would be in our book. And then you just pay the difference. Mm -hmm. So maybe if yeah. you wanted a, a total knee replacement using state of the art, well, we don't cover that material, but we would cover up to the normal material and you just pay the difference between the two. That would be kind that, of cool. Yeah. I never yeah. thought of it that way. Yeah, That's I a mean, good point. Yeah, that would be really nice. I'm, I'm sure that there's insurance companies right now that are like, log off, Christine. We're not doing that. <laughs> but I think it's kind of neat. I like the difference in the in the uh, the reimbursement for dental. I think there's something that might even be we could learn from, you know, under yeah. that perspective. So, um. What would be some of the biggest challenges that you find in dental coding that maybe you uh, you have to reach out for some assistance or, you know, just things that drive you nuts? <laughs> um, probably um, documentation is is a challenging thing. Well, we all feel your pain there. I mean, even in, in, in my coding, documentation is one of those things that uh, we, we still always struggle with. <sighs> Preaching to the choir, huh? Um, yeah. yeah. So dental has always historically been one of those things where the charts are not like descriptive of the procedure. They oftentimes historically were just, you know, composite DO on number three or something yeah. like that. And they just assume that that is sufficient to support that they did a filling on number three, not that they gave an injection and removed the decay and what material that they used and all of those details. So it's been an evolution in um, making sure that dentists and dental students and uh you know the the uh legacy dentists yeah that's can i borrow that term legacy physician <laughs> yeah um have grown in their documentation skills because um that just was not an expectation for a long time do you know if they teach the business of medicine in dental school? Um, Absolutely we, not. Okay. <laughs> I do I, not. I was just kind of hoping there was some. We struggle with that on the medical side is that they, that's just one area that they don't teach. And, and I understand that because that's not the focus of medicine. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the day for the practice to stay, most practices to stay open, there needs to be some financial transactions happening there. Exactly. Um, and, and I always felt like if the providers knew the expectation of a payer, then, I mean, it, and really it's no different than when we were kids. If you think about it, when dad gave you 20 bucks and said, bring me the change, it wasn't just bring me the change, bring me the receipt, show me what you bought. And, mm -hmm. and I'll tell you whether or not um, you, that comes out of your allowance or if that's something I'm going to cover for you. Right. 
And mm -hmm. I always feel like that's just a basic skill that maybe we need to teach providers is I want you to document medically, but then on the other side of it, if you're asking somebody else to pay the bill, then you need to explain it to that person who's paying the bill as well. So yeah. not that we want you to document for the insurance companies, but if you think of that concept that somebody else is coming in to pay the bill, they just want to know in, in terminology that they understand and appreciate what it is that you did. Um, yeah. And it actually just occurred to me. So I have been struggling with my child with algebra. He understands the concepts, but he doesn't want to show his work. He wants to put the problem down and put the answer. Yep. And we've gone round and round that a teacher doesn't know that you understand the steps unless you write each step down, right? Same oh thing. God, that's same, brilliant. I'm going to borrow that concept. if it's okay. I'm Absolutely. Borrow that analogy. Think about it, guys. The, maybe that's the maybe you have just found the solution <laughs> to communicating with providers, right? Yeah. I don't know. I just made that connection because that was a struggle that we've been I having. I love it. <laughs> I love it. So that is awesome. You know, I can't thank you enough, Angela, for taking your time and coming and talking to us about dental coding. Um, again, it's a new world for me. Um, and and I think that a lot of people maybe overlook the that opportunity to work in dental coding. I mean, again, we have a doctor, we have a dentist, we all go to the dentist. How does that dentist get reimbursed? What are, How does all of that world work? And similar but not similar it's it stands its own ground um mm -hmm. and its own benefits terminology and um i learned a lot today i gotta tell you i really appreciate it i think we have a couple of questions in the chat let me take a look here okay. i wasn't monitoring the chat because those of you that know me know that i get so easily distracted um okay go ahead so children that need extractions but need anesthesia so they go to the surgery center or outpatient hospital. Do you assign dental codes for the facility? Um, so the billing by the dentist usually is still submitted to dental insurance using the ADA claim form with the CDT codes. And then the facility will bill their specific um, medical CPT codes for the anesthesia and the room and all of those things. Very interesting. I, I never, and that, that's another thought. Thanks, Betty. I never thought about that leap from, uh, oh, it was Robin? Sorry, Robin. I never thought about that leap um, from, for, to the hospital because I, I too had a son who had to have uh, dental surgery in the hospital when he was young and how did the hospital report those services? That's really, that is really interesting. I'm glad that we talked about that. Yeah, I haven't done the billing on the hospital side um, for those services, but as far as the dental side, there is a hospital call CDT code that gets added in addition to the other dental services and that gets added to um, the ADA claim form with the other dental cdt codes that's incredible that's incredible and then the place of service is just 
you know, changed to the hospital place of service on the claim. Wow. So much great information, Angela. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I know that there was a couple of other questions, but we'll get to those offline and put them into the YouTube. Um, in our YouTube chat, you'll also see the links that Angela was talking about for the AADOM, for the um, ADA. Um, so those resources will be available for you there. You can reach Angela if you have any questions. There's her information that's coming Boss your revenue cycle at outlook.com. Reach out to her. Um, I she's my go-to person, guys. She's as far as I'm concerned, like I said, she's the gold star standard of dental coding. Please reach out to her with any of your questions um, that you might have. And I think we have one announcement, Lexi. We have our good friend Kimberly Jolivet Williams has her annual colloquium coming up. Um, there, there it is. There's our annual colloquium. Look at all those friends that are going to be on talking. This is the A-list of A-list friends. Um, CEUs are going to be there. We are going to have so many important topics that are going to be discussed. So please mark your calendar, reach out and uh, sign up for the colloquium. Again, wonderful information that you're going to receive. Thanks again, Angela. Thank this you. This has been incredible. And we'll see you all again in two weeks. Thanks for watching. 